out with a whimper, not a bang. Philip Lowe, not surprisingly, kept rates on hold in his last RBA meeting, but they cited China as one of the areas of uncertainty. And right on cue, more data surprising on the downside. From there, is that why the Aussie dollar is so weak today? Whilst oil prices shoot up as production cuts are extended and the US dollar strong, is that because of weaker data from Europe again? And the Bank of Canada following the RBA into doing nothing again, presumably today, as we all wait and see what happens next. It's Wednesday, the 6th of September, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So the US is back at work and the US dollar is on the rise. It's up 0.6% on the DXY, but the Aussie is down way more than that, losing 1.2%, down to 63.8 US cents. We'll look at why that is today. The pound is also down half percent, down 0.7% for the euro, and the Japanese yen down 0.8%. Equity investors didn't bounce back from their day off with enthusiasm. The Dow lost 0.6%, the S&P down 0.4%. The Nasdaq was managing to cling on to some green till the close and then finished up uh, down, I should say, almost 0.1%. And all indices down in Europe as well, a quarter percent down for the Eurostox 50 at close and uh, the same for the FTSE 100, a third of 1% for the DAX and the CAC Caron, both down. And bond yields significantly higher, up eight for 10-year treasuries, up nine for two years, uh, up 13 for 10 years in Canada, up six in the UK, Aussie 10 years yesterday, up another four basis points to 4.13%. Then overnight, you can add another four basis points on that on futures, uh, but much less movement at the front end, just uh, two basis points added to three-year yields. And oil is pushing higher, up 1.2% for WTI and 1.1% for Brent. So let's start with the RBA yesterday. I, I, did it have any impact on bond markets and also that big move in, uh, in the Australian dollar? But, but actually, before we do that, I have to fess up to that brief biography I gave of Philip Lowe yesterday and got it totally wrong. He's not from the Shire. He's from Wagga. He doesn't fly planes. That's Glenn Stevens. Uh, but he's been at the RBA for 40 years, which is perhaps not quite as exciting as... Uh, but maybe he could, you know, he can now he's got the time. He could take up flying and move to Sylvania Waters. What a life that would be. But anyway, let's uh, look at what happened yesterday. As predicted, uh, he didn't go out with a bang. Uh, rates remain unchanged, but further tightening is implied in the statement, which presumably, Taylor, I mean, that could be why we've seen bond yields pushing a little higher yesterday. Yeah, good Good morning, Phil. Very, you know, a, a fairly straight bat from from the RBA this meeting, as as widely expected. Um, all, all analysts were expecting no change, and that was kind of firmly priced in, into markets as well. And, and looking at the post-meeting statement that came and went with very minor changes from, from the previous month's statement as well. So very little new news out of the RBA, um, as you say, in that final paragraph, that, um, that bias to tighten further does remain, um, although it's clear that the RBA is certainly hoping that they've, they've done enough at the these levels, that kind of key guidance is still that um, there's that some further tightening of monetary policy may be required. And so, you know, they are continuing to watch the data flow and, and assessing the how the risks are evolving. And they do kind of stand ready to do more if needed. Um, but certainly they are they are hopeful that they've done enough at these levels. In terms of the uh 
market reaction, I think, you know, it would probably be an overstatement to think that the RBA had a, a big impact on either bond markets or, or currency markets yesterday. We do see um, yields higher globally led led by the US. Um, and when, in currency markets, I think, you know, again, it's a it's a China story in, in the driving seat much more so yeah. than, than a response to the RBA that fall in the Australian dollar. We well, saw. the Chai Shin uh, services PMI did fall quite a bit, didn't it? From 54.1 to 50. 1.8, which was a lot lower than expected and the slowest growth in, in eight months. So presumably that's what was driving that reaction. Yeah, certainly that kind of didn't help the the mood, mood music around Asia, um, that that fall in the Tyson Services PMI. It did follow um, some softness signaled in the official services PMI uh, last week as well. But as you say, the fall much larger than penciled in by by analysts falling uh, now at its its weakest since December um, and just kind of continuing yeah. to show. And then to give that some context, in December, you know, the people were stuck at home with COVID restrictions. Now they are just, you know, now they haven't got those restrictions. They're just choosing not to consume quite mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, that, that's right. And so what, what this is showing is that kind of that momentum in the services sector looks to have continue to to decelerate in August, even as, you know, there was some stabilization across manufacturing and, and construction from that kind of, you know, more meaningful softness that we'd seen earlier. So, you know, again, just kind of, you know, concerns around that momentum in China and the the extent of recovery that we can expect through through the second half. Again, again, dominating um, equities in Hong Kong, the Hang Seng was down 2.1%. The CSI 300 lost about 0.7% as well. Um, and we also saw uh, kind of renewed weakness in the renminbi as well. So the, the USD CNY up above uh, 7.3 again. So it did, uh, it did lose, it did uh, gain just 0.4% um, on the day, but certainly that kind of softness in China is evident kind of through more weakness seen kind of through Asian currencies generally against the the stronger US dollar over the day and the, the Aussie very much caught in amongst that. And we have the the New Zealand dollar, the yen, and the Australian dollar all making uh, new year-to-date lows overnight. So, uh, you know, the RBA is on hold, presumably because there is this hope that we are going to sort of mirror the United States, perhaps by going down that road, that very narrow path of the uh, of the of the soft landing. But of course, in their focus, very much now, is on slowdowns in jobs growth. So is that the focus for the RBA and are they going to be able to achieve it? Because uh, obviously, you know, the the labour market is still strong. Uh, Can we do what the United States is doing? Can we see people hang on to their jobs, even with high interest rates and softening demand? It seems less likely in Australia than it does in the United States, doesn't it? Uh, so certainly the RBA is still trying to, you know, achieve this without pushing rates as deeply into restricted, te- restricted territory as some other central banks have. And certainly when we read their, their tightening bias, uh, in, in the statement, we think it's, you know, we think there is, uh, there is a readiness to, to act if the data makes that case there. And certainly when we look at the, the risks and how the data will evolve, as you say, the labor market remains tight. We are seeing, um, some slowdown in in consumer spending growth, and we'll get another update on that today in in the GDP data. But I think again, kind of one of the most important pieces of the puzzle here is that evolution of inflation and services inflation through the you know the, the remainder of this year. And you know when we think about 
you know, the where the RBA is is focused, that kind of persistence in service inflation that had been evident overseas is still noted in, in the minutes, sorry, in the post-meeting statement as as a concern. And that combined with some resilience in in the labor market in the near term could well push them a little bit further. And so, you know, while the RBA is hoping that they're done, they are probably near the end of the tightening cycle. And that's, you know, very much reflected in in market pricing as well. NAB's view does still remain that they'll probably see enough evidence to to do one more hike in and we pencil that in at the november meeting so the aussie gdp today i mean we probably you know have a pretty good guess on what it's going to be because a lot of the partials are already out but um i mean we want it to be like that goldilocks number don't we where we want to see a little bit of growth but not enough growth to uh, bring back inflation and we we talked about softer inventories yesterday uh which you know could impact today's gdp number uh you know in bringing it down a little bit but yesterday net exports uh we saw those adding to gdp growth didn't we yeah, that, that's right. So the the pre GDP partials, as as we call them, have kind of swung in in different directions on on Monday and then Tuesday, and kind of on net, probably you know broadly where we were before, uh, going into this week. So our expectation is still that um, GDP will grow 05 percent quarter on quarter in the second quarter of this year, up to one. I'm um, sorry, slowing to one point nine percent year on year, um, and. You know, as you say, the while inventories, uh, a, um, a drawdown in inventories was weighing on on growth and subtracting more than expected from GDP. Yesterday, we showed that that net exports uh, story will contribute more to GDP than than most analysts had penciled in. Um, and so, you know, that's there's a bit of an offset there. And then we also got uh, some uh, data showing strength in public investment as well. So that's a, another support. Again, kind of, you know, most focus will be on that evolution of domestic demand. And, you know, the big uncertainty is still uh, just how resilient consumption has been in, in the face of those headwinds, especially on the services side. So that's, you know, still the, the key uncertainty going into today's data. And um, just back on bond yields. So, the, I mean, the, we've seen bonds yields climbing a lot higher in the United States, uh, which doesn't sort of fit with the soft landing scenario. Uh, so what is it that's pushing those yields higher at the moment? Uh, look, looking looking at the day, there's not kind of a, a strong catalyst. The US back from holiday and, as you say, kind of US Treasury yields up around eight to nine basis points across the curve. Um, so, you know, the, the short end and the, the longer end kind of moving together. There's certainly plenty of reporting about a, a deluge of, of corporate supply coming, coming through that maybe that flow may be contributing a little bit. But, you know, in terms of the data flow, not a you know, not a particularly strong catalyst there. Um, we, we have did, had some Fed speakers, but they've, they've not really added anything to the agenda. Yeah, certainly, you know, from the Fed speakers, um, nothing to suggest that, especially at that short end, that yield should be pushing higher. We heard from, from Waller who, um, said that there's nothing that, um, that he is seeing to say that the Fed needs to do anything imminent anytime soon. Um, and he's, you know, watching and, and waiting and, and expects to see it in the data. So, you know, that's not suggesting that he thinks that given the data that they're seeing at the moment, they need to go higher. Um, but, you know, to be again, being clear that, you know, 
you know, remaining remaining in restricted territory for a while and would need to see a couple more months continue along this trajectory before having more confidence that they're done. But, you know, nothing in those comments to suggest that yields should be pushing higher. Um, we did also have some comments from uh, Mesta as well, who, you know, remained hawkish, um, but not really new news there. For yeah, her. yeah. And so the strength in the dollar, US dollar, have European PMIs got anything to do with that? Because, I mean, they weren't very good. These were final revisions as well. Uh, so the comp- Deposit for the euro area has been revised from 47 uh, to uh, uh, 46.7, I think, for August. But that's from 48.6 in July. So uh, not a big revision, but quite a, a step down for the month, deeper into contraction. And um, and that's because the services PMI is now down to 47.9 from 50.9 the month before. So, I mean, we are seeing a lot more weakness in Europe. So is it the whole, you know, Europe weak, US not so bad scenario? Yeah, I mean, the, the PMI data certainly plays into that theme of more relative resilience and, and you know, relatively better performance in the US econom- economy than, than the rest of the world, but potentially bar, bar Japan, but certainly than, than Europe and China. Um, but, you know, in terms of, again, the marginal information this time, there was a fairly small revision from the, the from the preliminary and, and not much new news there. So I think it's, you know, unlikely to be kind of the, the key catalyst, but certainly playing into those, those same themes. Right. And oil. Well, we do know what the catalyst for that is. Brent very close to 90 a barrel now. In fact, he got over 91 earlier in the session, which was a 10-month high. Uh, Perhaps no surprise, really. Saudi Arabia and Russia, we sort of knew this was coming, have agreed that they are going to extend their supply cuts to the end of the year. So, uh, I mean, it's interesting. Prices are rising so much when economies are softening. But uh, and, you know, there are the China hopes, I guess. So maybe that plays into it. And also there's this phenomenon in the northern hemisphere called winter, isn't there? So there, I guess the question is, have they got enough reserves to be able to cope with that? And maybe that's putting uh, pressure on prices as well. Now they know production cuts are going to go right into winter. And I think when we think about this more broadly, high oil prices, you know, certainly you know, feeding into that um, that move in, in yields as well. And certainly not helpful from central banks that are worried about uh, inflation remaining elevated and especially feeding back into elevated inflation expectations with oil up in the US around 20% over over the past three months. And so certainly for headline inflation, um, you know, central banks will will do their best to try and look look through uh, movements in the kind of more volatile energy piece. But certainly it's it's unhelpful for um, for headline inflation going forward yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Bank of Canada, no move uh, is expected. I mean, they've seen their GDP slow in Q2, the labour market's easing, people aren't buying houses as much. Uh, all the stuff central banks want to see. Uh, yes, no no change expected from from the Bank of Canada. Market pricing is is firmly there, less than less than two basis points price. That had paired from around a 15% chance of a, a hike after last Friday's downside surprise on, on GDP data. So, you know, uni- universally expecting no change. From, from the Bank of Canada today. Right. And uh, US uh, ISM Services Index is out today. Uh, it's comfortably above 50 at the moment. It's presumably going to stay there. And uh, the US trade balance as well, all presumably contributing to that uh, that slightly wider path of the soft landing scenario. Yeah, yeah. And again, like, you know, the prices paid, the employment sub-index is all being focused in that, that services ISM as well. And, you know, as we talked about with the 
the data and certainly the the US dollar kind of reflecting some of that relative strength in in the US the ISMs will be will be passed in in that context and then we've also got the the Fed's beige book right in early our time tomorrow morning as well always a good read uh good talk taylor we'll uh, we'll catch you very soon thanks thanks for coming on thanks phil because you don't need to read it because we will peruse the pages of it uh, before we come onto the podcast tomorrow morning to save you the bother. That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Catch you in the morning. Thanks for listening.